0: In this episode, we're going to be discussing uh, the Babylon 5 Season 2 episode, Spider in the Web. So, Spider in the Web is actually a pretty good episode, uh, in comparison to the past couple episodes, which have been alright at best, to pretty bad. Um... And that's pretty generous for me for as, as part uh, part of, you know, that, that is pretty harsh of me when it comes to B5. Because B5 is my favorite TV show of all time. But sometimes, um, especially the early seasons, are really, uh, really wish-washy in terms of quality. There's genuine episodes that are mediocre and then just have a couple of bad elements. Or there's just episodes I genuinely don't enjoy, like the last one. This one I do enjoy. Um, the issue is, is that it's trying to set up something that will never come to fruition. So, the Bureau 13, I'm going to go ahead and talk about this entire ordeal. thing of this episode is that there's this assassin called Abel Horn. A- a- we find out that Abel Horn was a very vocal member of the Free Mars Movement, which we have been hearing about throughout the past two seasons now, and he was killed and then he was brought back to life uh via project Lazarus which I'll get to in a minute and uh this uh he is now working for this mysterious organization which you find out the name of at the end Bureau 13 and Bureau 13 works in tandem with the Psycorps in some capacity considering that uh the Psycorps, um there was a uh, there was a psychop present at uh, the, the 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 operation the create project Lazarus so. Bureau thirteen is actually an RPG. Um, it was a tabletop RPG, released in the I believe the eighties. I could be wrong on that. Uh, and JMS was not aware of this. Bureau thirteen was something created by Larry Dillio here in this episode uh, to be part of the ongoing Talia plot. Um, and james did not know about it and when he gave approval of the script um he just said okay uh he just gave okay because he didn't know it is possible that larry datilio knew and actively stole it but we do not know uh to avoid any potential copyright problems um and uh in, in potential problems to protection show as a result of that um jms completely gets rid of every mention of bureau 13 ever again it will never be brought up ever again which is really annoying because um the entire idea of this like secret shadowy organization working in tandem with psych very interesting um and it has a almost uh creepy spy thriller feel to it uh and i think that's what i like most about this episode is that there's this sense of something more going on of course we never will get that We'll we'll get most of where this plot line is going later this season, um. So it's not like too much is dropped off. It's just the fact that Bureau Thirteen itself is never mentioned. Um, for context, later JMS with state in interviews, um, that Bureau Thirteen was swallowed up by Psychor during uh particular events, uh, later in the series. So it's just the Psychor Instead of shoehorning in this, you know, last minute name change, we could have just said that it was the side and they have some non telepath agents or something. I think, I think that would have been better. Or we could just simply say that thirteen, because we see that the same side age agent, the Psycop that was present during the Project Lazarus experiment, was the person talking to uh, uh, to the the creepy voice in the San Diego wastelands, uh, and talking to Control. So. Uh, we could have just said that 13 was her agent name or some shit like that. And I think that would have covered it far better than just finding out that it was an RPG, Scrappy ever, ever mentioning Bureau 13 again. It kind of sucks. Um, but it is what it is. Um, the entire point of this episode is good like i said it feels like sort of a uh, not, not quite a spy thriller but um and cheering candidate almost kind of thing and the, the there's just a lot of just good about this episode uh good acting especially between uh andre thompson and jerry doyle um garibaldi and talia continue to get a bit closer um and while that they have a natural chemistry which applies to real life because those actors end up getting married later however that marriage didn't last and um obviously we've been setting up something between her and Garibaldi since uh <laughs> i mean midnight on the firing line her first appearance however it's not uh it's not romantic in any sense it's more of a friendship kind of thing and I, I, I like the way that it's been developing So like in Voices of the Wilderness When she thought he was hitting on her And then he, he he opened up emotionally to her And was explaining the entire situation with Lise And she decided to help him out By using her contacts with the core. And now here She's just had a friend murdered in front of her eyes And so Garibaldi takes her aside and just tries to, you know, cheer her up Tells a couple of really bad classic Garibaldi jokes And because of that, she, she asks to have a drink with him And they, they bond, and it's nice It's nice to see that kind of uh, closeness and that kind of friendship Between some of the main cast members that aren't, you know The ones that were, had a predefined friendship before um, And I, I think that's one of the strongest bits of season two is we're starting to see these characters' relationships evolve from what they used to be. So now Franklin and Garibaldi in the you know, past couple episodes got closer. You know, they have a bet- better friendship. And, I mean, Ethan Ivanova, uh, for all her hatred of the Psycorps and everything that has happened with her family in that regards and the suicide of her mother... Uh, and her initial hatred of Talia when she first entered the station, when asked what she thought of Talia, she said, she's interesting. That's something very different. And even Sheridan notices, you know, you don't talk about anybody like that. So there's clearly a sense of uh, familiarity amongst the crew uh, that is uh, really telling of the characters and is really nice to see evolving and changing and growing. Um what like i said one of the biggest things that i love about babylon 5 is just how much i love the characters and how much i think the characters get along so well and complement each other but also get on each other's nerves like everybody feels real i'll talk about project classes real quick because it's a it's good it's a brief note that i have that it's just kind of funny um it's kind of off topic has nothing really to do much with analysis or B5 or whatever, but, uh, so Babylon 5 was a hugely influential show, as I've mentioned before, as I'm sure you well know about, you know, the way it changed TV production and serialization and TV in American television and CGI use in American television, but then it also had influences in other media, um, it's just considered a phenomenal piece of science fiction, so it actually influenced a uh, bit, bit of science fiction uh, in the video game industry called Mass Effect. Uh, Mass Effect is heavily influenced, just massively influenced by the overall tone and feel and style of Babylon Fight, even down to certain plot points being almost identical, just a few names swapped here and there. And then, of course, some of the races feel very similar with a couple of changes made. Um... So there's this uh, creepy organization, Bureau 13, uh, working in tandem with this other organization, which is working with the government, Uh, you know, and they perform a operation, a experimental thing called Project Lazarus to bring back someone who is dead, uh, who died in space, to, to, to use them as an agent to fight a different threat. Well, in Mass effect, Cerberus, a secret relatively secret organization working uh, you know, working uh, with other things and partially with some of the, some of the governments, not quite, but a little bit. Um, they're not quite approved, but they, they, they do work on some sort of capacity with some people. And they perform a procedure called Project Lazarus to bring back Commander Shepard, who died in space, and all that. It's a bit of a weird, like, parallel to the sea where they were clearly pulling a lot of influences from B-5, and then that just hits the nail on the coffin, you know, um... Project Lazarus here in Babylon 5 is interesting in its own right. Uh, Garibaldi calls them cyber-zombies, uh, and I have to agree with them. And it's really horrifying to think about it, that they, they literally take someone at the point of their death, and they uses a computer program to make you um, see the final moments of your life, so you're in a constant state of resurrection and death and resurrection and death. Your subconscious, so you don't have conscious thought, you don't have free will, you don't have free thought. And therefore you don't actually have conscious ability and the AI then overwrites your body functions and is able to control you. It's actually really creepy to think about that. You're a prisoner in your own mind. Um, and you're, you're effectively a zombie. You're a cyber zombie, as Garibaldi says. It's actually really, really scary, but also, uh, just really interesting from a sci-fi standpoint. Um, very interesting stuff. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, get into spoilers real quick. Just because there's a a couple things I want to mention. But beyond that, like I said, very strong episode. Uh, It's not perfect by any means. And it's not great. But it's, it's pretty good. So in spoilers, so officially the spoiler section. Of course, control for Bureau 13 is... Talia herself which is why Abel Horn never actually successfully kills her. Of course I mentioned the entire problem with Bureau 13 and the fact that it just kind of disappears. Um, luckily the Psycor was attached to them so we can just say that they were swallowed up but of course the uh, the agent the the sci- the that she that Talia sees in the, the the one scan from the one vision from the one scan is considered dead. So she's starting to get become disillusioned with the core the Talia personality is anyway her control personality is dormant and only shows itself on occasion and um so so isn't it rather convenient also that Abelhorn gets his gets his uh you know instructions from control but she never uh, but but he never actually sees control it's interesting the way it's done like I said very Manchurian candidate very spy thrillery it's a lot of fun um, but but I also like that uh, she's a, she effectively ordered a hit out on herself. I I think that's kind of fun. Um, I, and then of course the the entire ordeal of the the main plot of this episode outside of the assassination stuff was the technically the entire point of the assassinations was in regards to uh, this corporation Future Corps trying to. Uh, make a deal with some of the Mars independence groups to uh, uh, to settle some business there and make Mars financially stable and viable to become its own independent state, which is something that the Psycor and EarthGov do not want. Of course, as we find out later, the corporations in the CyCor have a bit of a, a a sort of rivalry, as we'll see with Edgar's Industries, who are actively want to subjugate the telepaths, and the telepaths want to wipe, oh, you know, wipe, wipe Edgar's out, which they end up doing, but, you know, we'll be there, <laughs> that, that's pretty far away, that's season four, um, and of course, this is also the first appearance of Zack, who will become vitally important here in a couple episodes, so it's just a lot of fun to see him, like, I, I lit up immediately when I heard his voice on the comm, but that's all I have, like I said, solid episode, pretty good, I'll see you next week for Soulmates, which is written by Peter David, a fantastic comic book writer. And I absolutely adore Soulmates. So I cannot wait to talk about it. See you then. Bye.